The Real Estate Sessions podcast is sponsored by AdWorks. AdWorks makes digital advertising for real estate brilliantly simple. Promote your brands, promote your listings, learn more at adworks.com. That's A-D-W-E-R-X.com, adworks.com. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions and join industry leaders as they share their stories and offer tips and advice to real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Chicago Title, Arizona. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Real Estate Sessions podcast. First of all, I just wanted to thank everyone who has been sharing this podcast around. We've really had a lot more people tune in and I have known to thank but the, the loyal listeners who like what we're doing here by interviewing industry leaders and trying to find out a little bit about their background and where they came from and how they got to where they are today. So once again, thank you for that. Today, episode 38, we are featuring a local leader here from the Phoenix area. It's Patrick Lewis. Patrick is the past chairman of the board of the Scottsdale Area Association of Realtors. He's currently the treasurer for the Arizona Association of Realtors. So he's in line, I think, for 2000. 18 or 19, we'll check with him to be president of the Arizona Association of Realtors. I think you'll enjoy Patrick's story as much as I do, so let's get right into the podcast. So welcome to the Real Estate Sessions podcast, Patrick. Thank you very much for having me, Bill. It's an honor to be here. Uh, I, I, I can't wait to do this this uh, interview because I've known you for a long time, and I know a lot of stuff about you that I'm not sure other people know. Does that scare you? Can we continue? Cautiously, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, I'm pretty sure you're just the third guest from our Arizona guest that is an actual Arizona native, born and raised here. That's true, correct? Yep, born and raised in Phoenix. I was born at uh, St. Joseph's Hospital downtown, actually. Wow, so it's still here. That's great. So what part of the valley did you grow up in? Were you right there in the Phoenix area? or? I grew up in what's now known as Arcadia. Okay, got like it. So 48th Street and Exeter. I just grew up all in those areas. Okay, so for high school, where'd you go? Uh, so I went to high school at Arcadia for the first couple of years, and then I left there and went to a very small high school that's gotten bigger over time called Valley Lutheran. It's actually out at 7th Ave in Camelback. Growing up here in the Valley, I'm sure you've seen lots of changes. So give me that story about, boy, back in the day, I used to be able to do this. Because every native here has one of those, right? Nick Bastions is riding motorcycles at Val Vista and Southern, I think. So. Man, I, I got tons of them. Uh, I, one of mine was when I was younger, we used to ride our bikes from 44th Street and Camelback down to 24th and Camelback and then go hit the arcade at Tower Plaza down at 40th Street and Thomas. Nice. And and all, all in one day in the middle of August. And... Those are just some things that, that can't be done very much anymore. And um, we used to ride motorcycles out in the desert. And North Scottsdale, we used to ride out where Troon is now and quite a bit of that. So those are things that you just can't do anymore that I was really fortunate to grow up here and experience. You stayed in state for school. You went to NAU. You're a lumberjack, right? Yes. Go Jacks. Yeah, go Jacks. What what uh, what drew you up to the uh, the woods of Flagstaff for uh, your your university career? Well, I uh, I didn't want to stay super close to home. I, I needed to stay in state 
I was informed. And uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. And and for me, Tucson just wasn't my thing. Uh, U of A just wasn't my vibe. So uh, NAU was really welcoming. It was far enough away from home that uh, I could drive home on the weekend and do laundry if I needed to, but far enough away that it was uh, my parents weren't going to pop by. So um, and at the time, I was actually going to uh, go into uh, restaurant and hospitality management and get a degree in that. And NAU is one of the very few in the country that offered it back back in the early 90s. Gotcha. And, and that leads me directly into the this question. I, I can't wait to talk to you about this part of your life. You you may be the most foodiest foodie I know. And I think that's a good thing, right? Absolutely. Man. I love it. I love it. So, were your parents part of that process, getting you to be this adventurous soul when it came to food and and and, and beverage and all this kind of stuff, or did that did you pick that up later in life? When I say later, was that something you picked up at NAU? Tell me, tell me about that. Ironically, no. My parents, my mom was was not a great cook. Um, oh, she, I hope, uh, I hope she. Know, she <laughs> no, she did. She didn't either. That, but she struggled with rheumatoid arthritis for a lot of her life. So. Cooking just was really hard for her. It just wasn't something she ever really okay. wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I never really had a flair for um, enjoying food and that kind of thing. And even up at NAU, I uh, I did try and take initiative and cook for myself. But, man, it was it was underwhelming, to say the least. And, uh, and you can only do so much with ramen anyway. <laughs> and so when I got after college and I started working actually in the restaurants. Um, I started out as a busboy at Blue Burrito Grill down at 32nd Street in Camelback sure. years and years ago and worked my way up and was a manager there, helped him open a couple of restaurants. And uh, after that, I went to work for a fine dining restaurant. Some people may remember it called Susie and uh, it was over there by Fashion Square. But those that that's really when I started to um, participate in wine tastings. I started to really taste and experience gourmet food. And I found out that not only do I really enjoy it, but I enjoy cooking it. And so shortly after that, I moved out to North Carolina uh, because of my job at the time. And it's also where I met my wife. But then experiencing those cuisines and barbecue and and all of that, that that had to offer, it just broadened my horizon so much. And I I just became passionate for it. And, and ironically, at the same time, Food Network had really started to take off about that time. And so just watching people cook and what they did and how they put it together was, was really instrumental. But my wife will tell you, she and I have eaten a lot of bad meals. <laughs> and like there, there have been sometimes it's nine o'clock at night and it's like all right let's just order pizza because this did not turn out well because that didn't go the way oh. it was supposed to right exactly exactly yeah youtube lied <laughs> no. No. there's nothing better than going to dinner with you and i had the chance last uh, we're recording this the week after the aar uh, spring convention and we went to a really cool little place up in prescott called the barley hound which i think you and i both highly recommend right Highly recommend. Wow. It was excellent. Yeah, and, and I'm looking at that menu, and I'm seeing things like duck confit tacos. I have no idea what confit means, but you helped me pronounce it confit. And uh, and some just a, sweet breads, which have nothing to do with bread, right? 
And so there's that is that is correct. They are far from bread. Correct. And so it it was a very interesting experience. But having you there helped a ton. So I just want to first off say thank you. And and also you have this incredible obsession with um, bourbons and rye and whiskeys. And mm. <laughs> let's tell the audience a little bit about that side of you. Wow. Yeah, I, uh, I I really got into wine for a while there for a while, and uh, <laughs> and that kind of evolved into into bourbon uh, within probably the last seven or eight years, and I think bourbons have had a little bit of a rise in popularity in the country anyway. But um, to be able to see some of the small batch stuff that is happening and some of the, even our local distilleries that are starting to come up with things. It just really sparked something in me that I really started to enjoy. And when I went to San Francisco and I ordered a, a boule rye on the rocks and they had inside the large bourbon ice ball, they had a orange peel. And I asked the bartender about it. She said, trust me, you're going to love it. And I'll tell you what, that just even took that obsession with bourbon and rye and the different things uh, that you could mix with it to bring out different flavors, man, took it to a whole other level. So it's, uh, it's been a good, good time. We'll be waiting for your food and beverage podcast. I'm sure it'll be <laughs> forthcoming shortly. <laughs> possibly, man. Yeah. Possibly. And, and, and this one last point on this whole you know, this, the service of the, the food and beverage industry, you're like the eighth or ninth guest on this podcast, right? And you're episode 38. So eight or nine out of 38 who have a background in the, either the serving or the bartending or something in that industry. And it seems that that industry lends itself well, that, that providing service and providing the experience that you have to provide when you're, you're in those roles, that translates directly into what a good realtor should be doing in real estate, right? Oh, I, uh, I've said it before that I think anybody that's in sales should have had to have been a, a server at some time in their life. And the reason being is it gives you so many tools. If you're really good at it and enjoy it, it gives you so many tools that are applicable to sales and especially to the real estate industry. One of them is the ability to build relationships quickly right. and to be likable. And to be articulate and convey your thoughts. And uh, for me, that is a lot of having to remember the specials every night and make them sound good and that kind of thing. That started a process in me um, that really kind of helped expand my own mind and that kind of thing uh, before I even really knew what was going on. And so I, I find that those hospitality oriented people are also really great at customer experiences. Right. And that's really what a lot of what this business is about is understanding those, those customer needs, those consumer experiences and being able to talk to them about it, read their body language, see how they're reacting to the home. All those I think really come from that. And that's one of my main, that's one of the ways that I recruit is if I have somebody that has given me just exemplary service while I'm even out to dinner, I will absolutely drop my card and talk to them about what they're doing with their future and where they're going. I like that. I like that idea. And we'll talk, we'll get to that. That's one of your roles in your new position. We'll get to that shortly, but let's talk about the beginning. How did you, you had a couple of other gigs probably after the food and beverage stuff, you were 
had some a brief stints with a staffing company and did some sales with a tech company. But and and I'm sure the tech bubble bursting might have had something to do with this. But talk about how you transitioned from there into the world of real estate. My father was an architecture in the ballet for years and years and years. And so I grew up around design and homes and construction and just all kinds of things like that, that, that were oriented towards real estate. And uh, when the tech bubble burst, uh, actually, I had met my wife-to-be, Stephanie, out in North Carolina at the time. And I brought her back to Phoenix to, you know, meet the rents and do that whole thing. And as I was giving her a tour around Phoenix, uh, she said to me, you know, you should really be in real estate. This was 2002. And I never, never thought of that, never crossed my mind, wasn't even something I was thinking of or had considered. And all of a sudden, I just said, yes, that's exactly what I should be doing. It just all made sense. My growing up essentially in construction sites and, and having an understanding of design and flow and, and color and, and some of those kinds of things really have, and growing up here, have really lent me well to, to real estate. And it was really something I kind of embraced without fully understanding what I was getting into. It was kind of, you know, first just keep putting one foot in front of the other. But man, it was the uh, best thing I ever did with my life. I'm just one of the many ways that my wife has made a difference in my life. Did you start with John Hall? You're, that's the first place you hung your license? Yeah. Uh, my parents' realtor for like 20 years was a John Hall agent. Gotcha. And she always says I took, I took, their, I took her best client. <laughs> um, right. Because I got into real estate. Um, but sh- there was a job posting one day uh, for a, a realtor there, John Hall, needed an assistant. And I had just gotten my license and went to work over there. Awesome. So when you were there, what you started around 02, 03, 04, what was the time frame? 02. 02. So 02. John Hall was still around. I mean, I think, you know, Jim Sexton was the owner, but John. Hall was still around a little bit and he had to be really fun actually kind of getting to know him as well. Is that, am I right with that? Yeah, no. So I, uh, he was pretty much transitioned out by 2002. I had met him once, once, um, but you know, he played golf with Jim Sexton and, uh, and I think Jim really passed on and, and continued on a lot of what John Hall brought to the company as well. Right. And you never you you were with them a good solid eleven or twelve years. You you were uh, the, that's where you built your career. That's where you learned your craft, correct? And and talk about yes. talk about that whole experience at John Hall and Associates. I, I remember when I first started in the business, I was stationed uh, stationed. I was at Tatum and Cactus, and so that mm. office at one two oh one one North Tatum. You know, I, I knew all about that place. I went to many meetings there to watch Jim. You know, talk to the staff and delivered many commission packages there uh and it looked like it was a great place to be you know uh i when i accepted that assistant position i didn't know uh just how fortunate i would be in selecting john hall and i actually saw uh jim sexton and marge Lindsay at the past aar spring convention that we were just at mm-hmm. and i and i took that opportunity to make sure to tell them that a I still use 
the training materials from their ProStar program. I have a binder that sits on a shelf by my desk that I go, and I've been doing this over 15 years, that I go back and look at things I can do better, things I sometimes you just got to go back to basics. And, and I took that opportunity to let Marge and Jim know that a lot of who I am as, as a realtor and as a leader uh, was because of them and and the foundation that they kind of helped create. So uh, my time at John Hall was we were very much a family for a very long time, and uh, and I just could not have asked for a better place. I still have so many relationships from my time there that it, it, I just continue to cherish to this day. It's it was really fortunate. Yeah, you mentioned leadership, and and you are a big part of the. Uh, Scottsdale Area Association of Realtors. You're a past chairman of the board. Um, you're a line officer with AAR. You'll be president of the Arizona Association of Realtors in 2018. Is that right? 19. Nin- 2019. What drives you into that? That's a lot of work. It's all volunteer. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. It's great service to the real estate community and to the community at large. Was what 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 got you going in that direction was was the John Hall experience part of that because Marge and Jim were definitely involved. Um, how did you get there? That was something that kind of started way back when with my parents. Uh, my father would drag me with him sometimes to city council meetings or uh, to speak on issues or talk about zoning issues or whatever he was kind of advocating for at that time and you know he always kind of said you, you always have to give back you always have to find a way to give back and and they instilled that in me and and after I got comfortable in real estate and and thought I reasonably knew what I was doing I asked somebody there at John Hall who happened to be Janine Brown and who's a past president of Scottsdale Association and I asked her you know I, I would like to get involved how do I do that There was another John Hall agent by the name of Jack Leonardo who happened to be chairing the Government Affairs Committee at the Scottsdale Association at the time. And I said, well, I happen to be a political wonk and really enjoy that stuff. So I joined the committee and was lucky enough to be a part of that committee for quite a few years. I actually ended up chairing it for two years. And that was really what started me into into leadership and, and that kind of thing. You have to be in recruiting mode when you're that heavily involved in that as well. What what do you say to people when you're when you come across that person who you know would be a perfect fit, who you know needs to be a part of that leadership group? How do you how do you convince them to come join? I think when you run across people like that, you really have to address the with them, the what's in it for me. I, I think you have to get that right out of the way because we do this volunteer work because we care and we want to share and, and that kind of thing. There is a little bit of what's in it for me. Hey, it gives me the ability to give back, but it keeps me extremely informed. Right. And my investment in our, in RAPAC and, uh, and those kind of things, I, I use those in my marketing materials. I let homeowners know that I am an advocate for them, whether they list with me or not. And I think that those are, you have to address some of those. So as I'm inviting people in, you really want to, I really try and hit on that. The other one is something that I've learned a lot from another former or another guest of yours was Paula Monsoffer is um, 
to thank them. If they're already even doing something, just, just thank them. Thank them for their time, their service, what they do. Uh, we spend time away from our families to go to meetings, to go to, to have legislative meetings, to go and have, uh, you know, important advocacy meetings about the industry. And saying thank you as you invite them in, as you make them feel part of it, make them feel safe. I think those are all just instrumental in how we recruit future leaders. Let's get back to you, your career. Let's you've you've um, recently settled in with Realty Executives. You're part of their management team, and then I'll let you describe what you do there. But I think you're also still an active realtor as well. Talk about your role there. I'm the regional development director for Realty Executives. A lot of people are like, well, what's that? Uh, it is essentially a new position that was created, and I do a lot of different things. I am primarily over the see over the Scottsdale offices uh, and uh, and a couple others, but I spend time within the offices, help develop the culture that's there, uh, try and provide as much support for the agents, other things that we can continue to do uh, as a brokerage for our agents, and I'm really there to listen to them. I also do uh, quite a bit of recruiting. And I'm uh, right now heading up and uh, in the midst of retooling the mentoring and training program. So I am mentoring any new agents that come on, as well as uh, continuing to to work with other other parts of the team to develop the uh, the recruiting manual and uh, and just a lot of different aspects. So you like that? That's I mean that's definitely uh, it makes it easier to get up and out of bed when you've got that in front of you. Oh, there's no doubt. I, I think the the piece that sometimes I miss the most, and, and I think that that we're really trying to bring in here at Realty Executives is that culture of belonging hmm. and that culture of uh, of feeling apart. Because sometimes as agents, we really get so independent and so out there that you really feel alone. I think that it's extremely important for us to feel that that we are we're all a part of something. Let's go back in time a little bit. You're um, you're a part of the the core group that kind of got the RE Barcamp movement, you know, started in Phoenix. Talk about that experience, and and I have to ask this question. A couple of people have been asking, but do you think we're going to see it make a comeback? Oh man, <laughs> yes, I do think we're going to see it make a comeback. I've been so honored to be a part of that. It, it's one of the ways that I met you, Bill, and, and we became closer friends, mm-hmm. um, and the relationships that I've developed out of it, we still have today. And uh, it is just, it was absolutely a fantastic experience. Obviously as things get busier and it's amazing what a good market will do to your volunteerism. Right. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I think that we've had so many people that want it, that need it, that got so much out of it. Um, I think that, People like you and me and Nick and Char and, and Dean, we all just need to put this bad boy back together and make it happen. Yeah, I just wanted to get it on tape, so we have to actually do it. I knew so, that's what you yeah, were going to make nah, incriminating evidence. Yeah, now someone can pull this and we're going to have to get it done. Good. So uh, Bar Camp will come back to Phoenix. Okay. And ju- just for the record, I have not heading it up. So I just want to not it is what I'm calling right now. <laughs> All right. Me too. <laughs> Neither one of us are heading it up. That's great. <laughs> oh, they're not. The others are not going to like this. Um, good. No, 
they are. Now I've, I've had the honor and pleasure and really just flat out fun of teaching classes with you and, and picking your brain on things um, uh, when it comes to technology, because you really do um, stay on top of what's changing, what's current, how can I get more effective? How can I streamline this? Or how can I, what process can I change here to make this work better? You are really one of the tops in the field, I think, when it comes to that kind of stuff. So it's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So Thank let's you. give me, um, and I, you know, I, I, and to be in all honesty here to the podcast, I, I let Patrick know I was going to ask him this question because I want to know right now for realtors, what are some of the tools and things that need to be mastered? They don't have to be brand new, brand spanking new apps like Workflow, one of my favorite. But um, mm -hmm. <laughs> what, what are some things in, that in the world of technology that really for today's realtor, they have got to master these things? That's such a tough question. Uh, technology, I mean, first of all, is changing so quickly. Uh, I, I think most importantly, what the kind of apps that, that realtors have to manage are the kind that give them some structure. And so for me, those are apps like Wonderlist mm -hmm. that is the ability to communicate with teammates, talk about projects, get certain things done, know when they were checked off the list. Uh, we use Wonderlist uh, religiously. And I think Evernote is also just a huge one. And I know those are kind of old old stalwarts, but they're they're there for a reason. And then of course Dropbox would be my other one. Right. Yeah, so you picked, um, you gonna, picked three cloud based tools. And so I'm seeing sensing right. <laughs> sensing a and the fourth theme. and the fourth one, by the way, is another one, and that's one password. Oh, I'm security. staring at security, my one, security, one password security. icon right now. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Exactly. And so I think those are the main things that that are really going to give you give you infrastructure on some level and and help you organize and get things done because there is no, and I have to kind of go a little Jeff, Turn, Jeff Turner here, there mm -hmm. is no one piece of technology that is going to change your business or that is going to make you a better agent. I think the most important tools that realtors have to master are being articulate, being able to accurately convey your thoughts, being able to resolve different situations and different conflicts, and and the ability to to be personable and to relate to people, and, right. and I think that you know those are the tools that may, where we exude premium service that we can really start to take the emphasis off of technology. And there's not an app for that yet. There is not yet, but I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah, I you know I think I think you were just as uh, kind of impressed and I'll even use the word moved by the way Jeff uh, presented up in Prescott. And we're talking of Jeff Turner, another guest of this podcast, uh, CEO of Real Satisfied, that it's it's the service you provide far outweighs anything else in our world. Correct? 100%. Yeah. And we let that get away from us too much, I think, chasing off another, you know, right shiny object or another app that's promising the world or uh, another solution maybe that somebody's touting that um, doesn't replace um, just being um, knowledgeable um, and, and communicative and and super service oriented. I mean, that's those are the, that hasn't changed for years. That's exactly, and I say it all the time, Bill, is, is the things that worked 20, 30 years ago right. 
still work today. Right. You know, try and send a handwritten note. See what kind of, we'll see what you get out of it. Cause yeah. nobody gets one anymore. Right. Yeah. I got one a couple of weeks ago from somebody I'd helped a couple of weeks before and it floored me. I'm like, there it is. That's that, that feeling's amazing. I know they put some effort. It's amazing. Yeah, it's very cool. Well, I want to I want to ask you a question. I'm, I'm not not really controversial, but I want to talk about the rise of the teams. Right? It's almost going to mm. be a movie, right? The rise of the, mm-hmm. the teams, and there Ooh. are some people that are doing this here in this town. We know who they are. You know, there uh, there's some in the all over the valley who have large teams of people with inside sales agents or ISAs who do nothing but pound the phones on expireds and FISBOs and other lead sources that they're, they're working. And they, you know, they implement these hardcore sales tactics that, that work in a lot of other industries for sales. I'm not going to deny that. Um, and they're, they're gaining popularity. Um, how do you feel about those? And I know you might, there might be some realty executive, so I <laughs> throw you out there under the, that. Well, bus. What's your take on I mean, I, I think it's a really good question, and and obviously far be it from me to judge the way anybody chooses to do business as, as long as it's in within the confines of the law and regulation. And NAR code of um, ethics, right? <laughs> and the NAR code of ethics, but right. but for me personally, I think that there are just like any other industry, there are people out there doing it really well, and people out there doing it uh, not so well, and where I think there is opportunity for, um, for us is to continue the conversation, to talk about teams, to continue to have opportunity for people to ask questions about what's right, what isn't, what can they do, what they can't. I know ADRE is looking at some different, some different things for, um, for teams, but I, uh, you know, for me, the big thing is I just want to be able to clearly know if there is an issue, who am I, who do I need to contact? Right. right. And that, that is probably the biggest issue for me with teams. If there is an issue with another agent, that kind of thing, who am I contacting on that team? If it is team success, I don't know if there's team success, if there is, no offense. You know, those are the kind of things where I think that it starts to get a little bit cloudy. In, in who's in charge. And, uh, and I think it's something that brokers are struggling with a little bit right now as well. So it'll be interesting to see. I think it's far from played out. So it's going to be interesting to see what actions and steps are taken over the, the next few years on it. Right, right. Because I don't think it's a trend that's going away. No, not anytime soon. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. I, well, I, I, think, I feel that there are some teams out there that are, also providing, you know, that great service that we talked about earlier, and that's a great thing, but there's some that aren't, you know, and so it's, it can, it can give us a reputation to the industry that sometimes already struggles with reputation. And, and if you've got something out there that keeps pushing it uh, the wrong way, that, that's something that has to be, uh, you know, you have to be a little concerned about. Yeah. You know, I, I think, I think you're, you're right. But I think there's obviously different sides to it. I believe that um, we sometimes get in this really microcosm of this world of real estate. And um, and I think the way the consumer sees teams and that kind of thing is a different thing. And as we were talking about exuding premium service before, sometimes it's hard. You can't do it just by yourself. You do need other people. You do need a support. You do need a little bit of a team to help. 
um, ease some of that burden to to get or not burden, but to be able to have better service. Right. right. And and so I think there's definitely a place for it. But um, yeah, I, I just think that we need to continue to have the conversations about it and continue to have it's something that needs to continuously be looked at. I think. How about it's a couple of topics at the next bar camp? Oh, perfect. I'm pretty sure that would <laughs> no problem. I'm sure I like you're really pushing it now, Bill. <laughs> All right. So let's, uh, I've had your half hour. And I actually know you've got an appointment to get to. Let me ask you this last question I've asked every guest and it's what piece of advice would you give to a, a brand new agent or maybe even it fits for an agent who's plateaued, they're stuck in a rut and they want to, they, they need something. What's, what's that one piece of advice you would give? You know, you'll appreciate this. I kind of always take it as a sports analogy. When you see uh, basketball teams or football teams or whatever that they're, they're getting a little lackluster or they're just not quite getting there or, or they're just new, is basics. Hmm. Go back to the basics. You know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with going back to what was working for you and go back over those past transactions. What got me those transactions? Where did they come from? Trace those back and start to concentrate and really put your energy into those sources. You know, go back to the printed material. Go back to the every door direct market if you're not doing those. Go back to that farming that it's what worked and what's got and what got you there. And sometimes you got to go back to basics. I love it. Patrick, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Um, if someone wants to reach out to you, um, what's the best way? Is there a number or an email address? What's, what's best for you? Wow. Uh, yeah, they can uh, call me on my number is 602-697-6670. And that's my cell phone number. They can call or text okay. or you can just Google D Patrick Lewis. And I take up the whole first page pretty much. So you, <laughs> yeah. you can find a multitude of ways to get a hold of me that way. Yeah, too. you're you're right there. That's great. And uh, and and I'll put all of Patrick's links and things in the show notes on the website uh, at realestatesessions.com, so you can find that stuff easily. Patrick, thanks again. I really appreciate having you on here, and uh, we will work on Bar Camp. Thanks again, Bill. It's just been an honor and privilege. Appreciate it. You've been listening to The Real Estate Sessions with Bill Rissa of Chicago Title, Arizona. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and tell your friends about The Real Estate Sessions as new episodes are published weekly.